Hallelujah. Hello. Man, if this is not the most intimidating thing I've ever seen. I need my notebook, babe. How are y'all tonight? Man. Thank you. Recognize this? Speak his word. It's from Sister Nicole last week. I grabbed that. But you know, listening to that letter, it's so surreal hearing those words because it was like it's a different person because that's not the person I am today. This is why I couldn't read the letter. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I haven't visited and walked in those doors since the day that it happened 28 years ago. But when I wrote that letter, that day flooded back to me. And the only reason I wrote the letter was because Pastor wanted a perspective for you so that you would understand what this is about, what people go through, what people have felt, what people have lived. You know, abortion is a hot topic today. And it's a sensitive subject, and one that I hope today that I offend nobody. Because understand, I've been there. But I'm not that little girl anymore. She don't even exist. She don't even exist. I stand before you a different person. You know, Jesus said, that the spirit of the Lord in Luke 4:18 the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty them that are bruised i was captive i was bruised i was broken i lived in a world that man it's so far removed from who I am. And, you know, my son's hearing this, and he's probably thinking, wow. You know, he doesn't know that mother. He doesn't know that person. Because the person that stands before you today is strong, healed, delivered, set free. And I am who God called me to be. But I want to tell those of you who don't understand that may have gone through something, and it doesn't just have to be abortion. It could be something that you yourself have done. Because isn't that the worst thing to get over? Yes. Understanding that this is something you could have avoided, but you chose to make decisions like this. The word says in John 10, 10, that the thief cometh, but to still kill and destroy. But that the Lord says that he's come to give us life and life more abundantly. Amen. When the devil was thrown out of heaven, he took a third of the angels with him, right? Yep. But that's not enough for him. It's not enough. He wants all of us. He wants all of us. And when, when, when you reveal what God had intended for me that I didn't know that many years ago, but let me tell you what, there's a purpose and a plan in every single one of our lives. It says that he has put us here. He knew us before he formed us. And he has a purpose and a plan for you to live out. 
And the enemy's plan with me was destruction. Was to destroy who I was so that I would never become who God created me to be. If I can kill her before she gets to that moment, she won't be there for this person and this person and this person. The more I can hold her down, the more things I can throw upon her. Listen, we're just talking about abortion today, but I can lay out a smorgasbord of things that the enemy has done to try to take my life. I've had a gun to my head, pulled the trigger, and it didn't go off. Pointed it forward and pulled the trigger, and it went off. There's an all-out battle for you, for your soul. Why? Because God created you. Because you're his child. Because you're the chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. He wants you. And so the devil wants to destroy you. Because you get to be something he never was. You get to stand up and can be complete in everything that God has created you to be. He never gets the opportunity again. And we get an option in this life. See, there's many that know this. There's many that's heard what Jesus has done for you. Listen, the cross is a finished work. When Jesus was done, his words were, it is finished. Was it not? And I don't know what it is finished means to you, but it is finished means to me that it's complete, it's done. There's nothing else to do. Nothing. All of it, completed. So when he said it is finished, anything that you have need of, anything that's in you that you need set free from, anything that you need healed from, anything that's happened to you, it doesn't matter what it is. It's within him. Your freedom is within him. But we allow the enemy to just lie, lie to us. Continue the lie. Continue that we're not good enough. What if I would have... The moment I got saved and, 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 and that blanket of shame was removed. And listen, I, I, I couldn't tell you what innocence felt like. I didn't know. But at that moment, I can imagine that that's what it was supposed to feel like. What if I would have left there and remembered my past and looked back and started walking back to it and picked it back up? and stayed in there. I love Nicole's analogy once, and she was preaching, it's been not too long ago, and she had a dog cage up here. Said Jesus did it all. The cage is unlocked, but you're staying in the cage and you won't come out. You corner and you cower in the corner, like you have to stay there, but it's, it's open. All you have to do is get up and walk out. That's it. The brokenness was meant to keep you. But Jesus came to heal the brokenness. And he set you free. Now who in here is going to let the enemy, whoever that may be, just walk into your house and take your kids? You going to let him walk right in your front door? Take one of your kids or even take you? You're going to put up a fight. Then why do you allow him to walk into your spirit? 
because you think you're not good enough, because you don't think you deserve it, because you think what you've done is so heinous that God could never forgive me. He forgave King David. Did he not? King David had an affair with a woman, and then she found out she was pregnant, and so he called her husband back from battle, tried to get her husband to go sleep with her so that they could, you know, say that it was his, but the husband wouldn't. Laid at King David's door while the battle was going on, said, I can't, I won't go out there, I won't do this, I gotta, you know, I can't do this. He wouldn't go home, so David sent him to the front line of the battle. Because he knew that if he went to the front line of the battle, he would be killed. And what did God say about King David? He loved him. What about Paul? What about Paul? We're going to go to Acts 9. And Acts 8 somewhere, it talks about, I think, 8-1, maybe. Yeah. And Acts 8-1, it, it talks about Paul being there, consenting to Stephen's stoning. And Stephen was an apostle. He was the first martyr. He was the first one killed among the apostles. And Paul sat there and consented to it. So we're going to go to Acts 9, and we're going to start in verse 1. And Saul, yet breathing threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogue, that if he found any on his way, whether they were of men or women, he might bring them bound into Jerusalem. So he's getting ready to make his road to Damascus, right? And he's going before them, and he's still wanting to, captive, to, to, to take them captive, to kill them. So we're going to jump. I guess we don't have to jump very far. We'll just keep going. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined around about him a light from heaven. And he fell on the earth, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It's hard to kick thee against the bricks. Okay, one thing I want you to notice here. And this is very important because you're so focused on your sin. You're so focused on what you did yesterday. But Jesus did not focus on the killings that Paul was doing. He's saying, why are you persecuting me? He didn't talk about anybody that Paul had killed. He didn't talk about any of that. He said, why are you persecuting me? He's wanting to deal with Paul. And he's wanting to get Paul set free. He's not reminding Paul of everything. He's just asking him a question. Why persecute me? Because why? He wants to get him set free. Why would somebody kill somebody? Why would somebody persecute somebody? Why would somebody take Jesus who was innocent, who had done nothing, and they even knew that they had an innocent man and beat him and put him on a cross? Because they see things, the world see things. They don't have Christ in them to know truth. You know you can see and not see and still be blind. Paul was blind. Paul thought he was doing the right thing. Paul thought what he was doing was right. When we're in the world, listen, when I did what I did, I thought it was the right thing to do. As crazy as that seems, I thought it was my only choice. This is going to seem a little harsh, and I might apologize ahead of time, but I might not. I don't know. <laughs> when I walked into that clinic, there was nobody there to talk to me about Jesus. 
when I walked into that clinic and walked out of that clinic, there was nobody there to comfort me for Jesus. We want to be these big crusaders. But where are we really at? We want to be these big crusaders talking about how abortion is murder and we shouldn't, we shouldn't do it, we shouldn't do it. They don't think like you do. They're the world. They're sinners. They're broken, they're lost, and they're going through nightmares that you may not even know about. There was not one person there to talk to me about Jesus. There's not one person there to offer me hope. We didn't have Facebook back then. Thank you, Jesus, we didn't have Facebook back then. But if I would read what I read today, nothing there would have made me stop either. I thought what I was doing was right because there was nobody there that represented Jesus to me to help me make a better choice. That's Paul. Paul thinks he's doing right. So Jesus stops him. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the city, and that shall be told thee what to do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And when Paul rose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, and neither did he drink or eat. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. Be careful what you say, Lord, I'm here for, huh? Because the Lord said unto him, Arise, go into the street, which is called straight. I should have watched what I said I'm here for, for this night. She ain't paying attention. And inquire the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth, and he hath seen in a vision (laughs) a man named Ananias coming and putting his hands on him, that he may regain his sight. (laughs) Ananias said, Lord, I've heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. I'm like, you want me to go see the man that's killing Christians? That's what you want me to do. Hmm. Imagine that, somebody going and talking to somebody about Jesus. To set him free. Instead of going to point him out and tell him how bad he is. I've struggled with love. I'll just be honest with you. I'm very black and white if you don't know me well. Very black. And I'm not just talking, you know. (laughs) Sorry, set that one up, didn't I? In my thinking, I'm very black and white. Man, I lost my train of thought now, you people. Yeah, praise the Lord. Okay, I'm very black and white, but you know, Lord, you tell me go do something. Like Ananias, go talk to Paul. And I'm going to say, God, I love you, but that man's going to kill me. He's going to kill me if I go to him. I don't know that I could step out in faith like Ananias did. But he did. I don't think that was my point, but that's where we're going because I can't think of it now. 
And there he had authority from the chief priest to bind all that cast in his name. Of course, we know that. But by the Lord said, but the Lord said unto him, go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Paul is a chosen vessel. You are a chosen vessel. You, you are a chosen vessel. trying to look for my scripture that talks about you're a chosen generation. I'm too nervous. So you know where it's at. We'll figure it out later. But you are chosen of God. The enemy knew that Paul was chosen. I never understood how Paul could say one, one time that I'm the, I was the chief of all sinners and then the next time say, We've harmed no man. When Nicole read that letter, when I wrote that letter, and when she's reading it, and as I read it over again, understand it. Understand it completely. He loves me so much that he wiped away everything. Everything as if I've never done it before. As far as the east is from the west, not just from his kingdom, but from my heart, but from who I was. I know the point I was going to make. It's come back to me, so you're going to get it, because I think God wants you to have it. But I am black and white, and I'm all about love, but I couldn't understand how to love the right way. I, love is correction. <laughs> Ask Philip. He's had lots of it. <laughs> right? Love is correction. If I see my baby get ready to touch a stove, I'm going to spank his butt because he needs to understand that that stove is going to hurt him. And he needs to have a reminder that you don't touch that stove because it will burn you. And love was always correction. Love was always making sure we walked a straight line. Love was starting to become this pharisaical view in my eyes of what to do, what not to do, how to be and how not to be. How we didn't accept this and we accepted this based upon what the word says. You know, you love the sin, you hate the sinner. We hate what sin produces. We just had this conversation. How am I supposed to treat the sinner with the same expectation that I have of my husband being saved? How am I supposed to treat the sinner with the rules of this Bible when they don't live by it. We want to condemn them, then we want to hold them to it. And we want to keep going at them and going at them and going at them and tell them everything they're doing wrong. Is that love? Because to me, that's not love. To me, when Jesus did it, he prayed for them. He loved on them. And he set them free. The woman at the well, he told me all that I ever done. She had been with Five, she'd had five husbands, was living with the six. Obviously, I live with one man now. I've had two husbands, because obviously you heard the abusive relationship. Let me tell you, I don't want any more. This is enough. Amen. I won't get married again. You know that this woman is broken after five of them. Seriously. Five of them. 
she's broken and she don't know Jesus. Five of them. And he told her everything that she ever did. And because he loved her and because he told her all that she ever did in love, she jumped up and she went and told the city and the people from the city came in and they were saved and set free. What about the woman caught in the very act of adultery? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever wondered what he wrote in the sand? I did. All the Pharisees and all them around. And he's sitting there just writing as he listens to them, beckoning to Stoner. Stoner, I had this vision in my mind. He starts writing their sins in the sand. (laughs) You know? Stealer. Thief. Right? Thief. Killer. All the hidden sins nobody knew about. And then he says, you without the first, you without sin cast the first stone. And he goes back to writing. (laughs) And they're looking, no, not me. They knew he was the only one, the only one there that could stone that woman. He was the only one without sin. But what was his reaction to her? Where are your condemners? Lord, I have none. Neither do I. Go and sin no more. He didn't tell her to sit in what she'd done for seven months or two years or four years. And then after that amount of time, then you're set free. That's not what he did. He said, go and sin no more. Meaning right now, honey, your sins are forgiven. You're free. Go and behave like you're free. You're now my child. Now go behave like you're my child. We've got to get out of the mindset that we have to pay for our sins like people pay for their, the, the, um, their crimes here on earth. we got to get rid of this mentality that's earthly and fleshy. And it's not the way God would have us to think at all. When a person commits a crime, we put them in jail and we never want them to get out when they commit murder. And so when we get saved, we happen to... Th- in my case, when, when you do the same thing, because that's after I got saved, I had to battle this. He set me free, but I had to keep the freedom because there's nothing he wanted more than to take me back where I was at. There's nothing he wanted more than to take me back to that field and put that gun back in my hand and me being so lost this time that I just did it. So it's a battle, and I'd have to remind myself Know whom the Son sets free is free indeed. He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I'm free. I'm healed. I'm set free. I'm delivered. It said he came to set the captives free. Set at liberty those that are bound. I've been set free. I'm not bound anymore. I'm not bound anymore. I'm not bound anymore. You're not bound anymore. You're not bound anymore. You are not who you were yesterday. And there's freedom that's been given to you. And you get to choose to stand up and walk in that freedom. You get to stand up and be who God created you to be with no limits. Does it make any sense that I would be able to get to do the things I get to do today? 
It doesn't to me. And listen, the first thing I felt when, he, when, when I wrote that was gratefulness. Gratefulness that, God, you truly are a God of love. You truly are a God of love. And I'm so grateful that you brought me out of what you brought me out of. But I would do you a disservice today if all I talked about was abortion, 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 abortion. What I need to tell you about is that it is a plan of the enemy to keep you into a place of shame so that you never rise up to be who Christ made you to be. It can be something different. It can be something you've done, a sin you've committed that you think is so heinous that you don't deserve forgiveness. That's not truth. That's not truth. The word doesn't say that he came to set Phil free, but Regina has to stay in it. If you're a captive, that word belongs to you. He set the captive free. Amen? Amen. Jeremiah 1, 4 through 5 says, The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou comest out of the womb, I sanctify thee. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace of not evil to give you an expected end. Does that sound like a God that wants you to sit in where you've been? Mm -mm. It's not a God that expected me to sit where I'm at, where I've been. But he wants you to rise up. Rise up. Be who he called you to be. Be that person that when somebody else is thinking about it, when somebody else has no hope, when somebody else is blanketed in shame, you are Jesus. You get to speak to them. You get to be the voice. You get to be the person that's there to help set them free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel like, I, like it's early. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, I just give you glory. Lord, I just give you glory. I feel like God wants to set some people free in here tonight. I feel like maybe not be abortion. I know that's the hardest thing to ever walk up on. Trust me, I understand. When Nicole first asked me to do this, I said no. I said no. But then the Lord dealt with me. <laughs> you got to be obedient. Listen, there's no shame that God is putting on your life. And the only shame that you live in is what you allow to stay. Because he whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Amen? So if you have anything from your past that you've struggled with, that you say, God, I just, I just want done with this. I'm done. I'm done. I want to be free. I don't just want to say it. I just don't want to act like it, but I truly want this to be completely gone from me then they're going to come up and play and we're going to invite you to come down to the altar and we'll pray for you.